how are you? Welcome, I'm on one today. Yeah, I am. I didn't like what Indiana did to my friend Dane Fife, and I'll get into that. Dane Fife, who is one of the good guys. I'm going to get into that later. I'm going to get into all that, but I am on one today. So if, uh, you know, if I get a little nasty today, we'll be all right. Hey, uh, a couple of things we want to get into before we get into Jason Hammer. Look, Hammer is on the show for two reasons. One, Three reasons. One, he's a great guy. He comes up at 9.30. Two, he's a guy that can talk politics, and I don't give a damn whether you come here for just sports. There's going to be politics because that's why I wanted to get the hell away from ESPN because I wanted to be able to speak. And he's got the best bets that you are going to find. I think he's like 12-2 and on this show. Hammer time. Izzo very apologetic yesterday because Izzo was not on our show. He missed our show. When you're dealing with players, baby, you got NIL issues, you got players in the transfer portal, you got to talk to them, and that's what Tom Izzo was doing. He's coming on at 10. I'm fired up. Big trade yesterday. Also, by the way, uh, are wide receivers becoming the new running back? I don't think so, but a lot of people are asking me that. Big trade yesterday, Tyreek Hill. Think about this. I want you to think about this. Tyreek Hill bet on himself. Tyreek Hill said, hey, uh, I don't want your money, Kansas City. I don't want it. Really? What do you want? I don't want your money. I want more money. Trade me. I'm in my last year of the deal. He had a little power. So guess what? Tyreek Hill, his demand was met. Next thing you know, boom, Hill gone. He's with the Dolphins, which is interesting because it keeps him in the AFC. And if I'm Kansas City, I got to be a little leery on that one. But Hill gets, listen to this deal. Now, people reported it as $120 million over four years, but the total contract is $141,685,000. $250,000 signing bonus for the Pro Bowl. Now, I'm not going to tell you uh, yay, nay. Why do you need a $250,000 signing bonus if, if, ladies and gentlemen, you're already getting paid $140 million? I don't know, but I like it. I like it a lot. I've always said, man, players, go get them. Hell yeah. Go get the monies. Now you got to play. You can't go get the money if you're not going to play. And you got to play well. And I don't want to hear about, oh, my God, so much pressure. Hey, leave that to individual sports. When you sign up, in my opinion now, again, and, I, and actually in individual sports too. When you sign up for this kind of money, you sign up for that kind of scrutiny and that kind of pressure. It's the way I look at it. You may not look at it. You may look at it like, well, we're all human beings. You know, that, that Osaka uh, tennis player, Naomi Osaka, you know, some guy yelled out at her. And she got all crazy and sad. Hey, look. If you're going to be on a big stage, you got to understand there are fans. What's fans short for? Fanatic. And if you're going to let one fan yelling at you, or 10 fans, or 1,000 fans, or 5,000, or 10,000, or 100,000 in football's case, uh, then you shouldn't be in there. That's just the reality. And Tyreek Hill now goes from a guy that is really good, and he's kind of, I don't know, second, third fiddle. Kelsey, Mahomes, you know what I'm saying. He's the gadget guy. He's the backup quarterback. We all love him. Now, 
Tyreek Hill goes to the, we call it the HMFIC. And I'm not going to tell you what that stands for, but his head mm -hmm, in charge. When you get that kind of money and you don't have a star quarterback, you got a good quarterback. You got a name quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa. But when you're coming over and you're Tyreek Hill, Super Bowl champ from the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to be under all kind of heat. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he handles it because it ain't easy. I'm telling you, it ain't easy. College basketball coaches talk about this all the time. You go from the third guy on the scouting report to the first guy. Now, I'm not saying he's not an ambient guy, uh, Tyreek Hill. He is. He's an ambient guy. What does ambient guy mean? Ambient guy means you stay up all night thinking about how to stop him. That's what you do. But the truth of the matter is, uh, now you're number one, man. Now you win or lose, a lot of it's going to be on you with that big deal. And I'm anxious to see how he does because he was so good. Like, I wanted the Colts to get this guy. I was dying for the Colts to get this guy. And at the end of the day, hey, they didn't. Dolphins did. Now you got Waddle. Now you got Hill. Now you got a chance. It's that simple. But, but you've got to handle the pressure of big money. That's what's so fascinating about these quarterbacks that are great, right? When you look at Mahomes, when you look at Rodgers, when you look at Brady all these years, I mean, think about the pressure that's on them. Like, everything they do, everything they say, it gets blown up. Lamar Jackson, it doesn't matter what Lamar Jackson says, it gets blown up. It doesn't matter what Aaron Rodgers says, it gets blown up. Right now, Mac Jones is underneath there. Matt Ryan has always stayed underneath all of that. Justin Herbert is coming up to it. Uh, Russell Wilson has been really smart in his public persona. But one slip up and away you go. One slip up. It's amazing to me. And speaking of that, I'm going to go to the next guy. Talk about pressure. Look, whether you're a LeBron James fan or you're a LeBron James hater, you can be both. Hell, you can, you can tell me I hate LeBron James, all right? You can tell me I love LeBron James. You can tell me, hey, look, uh, LeBron James to me, LeBron James is a guy that I think is really good, but he ain't Michael Jordan, all right? Again, whatever you think of LeBron James, fine. But let me give you a little something that LeBron James is doing. I don't know how many of you have paid attention to this. Did you know that LeBron James right now, did you know LeBron James is leading the NBA in scoring at 30 points a, or 30 points a game? Did you know this? Did you know it's 30 points a game at age 37? It's really the first time I think LeBron James has been in like, all right, I got to go now. I got to score every point. Look, I'm a Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the greatest I've ever seen. I'm a Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, not only the greatest I've ever seen, but both are the smartest basketball players I've ever seen. I'd put Magic in there and Bird for the smart stuff and Isaiah. But when you look at greatness, when you look at dominance, when you look at leadership, I don't know, man. I'm starting to have to flip a switch on LeBron James and think, whoa, 
He got to be in my conversation as the greatest with Kareem and with Jordan. Now, I never saw Wilt in his prime. I never saw Oscar in his prime. I didn't. When you go by numbers, greatest of all time, Wilt Chamberlain. Look it up and then let me know what you think. Led the league in assists just because people said he wouldn't pass. Averaged 50, didn't he? 25 rebounds. I mean, different league, different time. I get it, but that's what I'm saying. If you go by numbers, that dude, but when LeBron James all of a sudden at 37 years old, I wish, I wish I could put like Dylan and Ryan on with me to have this discussion because it really isn't a one person discussion. Who's the best? The discussion is a debate. Like, no, you know, I don't know. I didn't see Jordan. Now people are getting old enough or Jordan's, you know, we're all, I'm Jordan's age. You know, you're, you're, you're my age. All of a sudden people that are younger say, yeah, I really didn't see Jordan. Kind of like I'm saying, I really didn't see Wilt, right? But it's a discussion. It's not a definite. And I always think it's fascinating to go, hey man, I think that Michael Jordan's the greatest. I think LeBron James. Look at James's numbers. The NBA is the one sport you can do that. I guess in baseball you can, but it's just not quite the same. Football, it's not quite the same. Basketball, because it is the most individual of team sports, it is kind of the same. But it just hit me, man. It hit me square in the face. Like, are you serious? LeBron James is leading the NBA. Now, a lot of you are going to go, I don't watch the NBA. I, I don't either. Like, and, and, and I'm, I watch the playoffs. I mean, if a game is on and I'm, you know, done for the day, then I'll maybe watch. But I don't, unless the Pacers are really good, which they're not, I don't really sit down and go, oh, man, I got to watch this. Now, playoffs, I love NBA playoff basketball. I'll stay up to 2 in the morning. You're going to see me really tired on this show. Like, oh, hey, I stayed up to watch the playoffs. I'm telling you, I love them. I do. But I don't watch every night. So it hit me and it hit me right in the face. LeBron James is leading the NBA in scoring at 37. Now, he's also having to rest his knees once in a while. But, hey, he's getting old. Uh, I thought this was very cool. Uh, I don't really follow television like I should. Like, uh, Tariko is a good friend, dear friend. We worked together for years. He is going to, I do believe, be the Sunday night guy on NBC, which you could argue is the number one game of the the NFL weekend. All right? You can argue that. But Amazon is taking over the Thursday night. And they slipped L. Michaels out of NBC. And they moved L. Michaels over with Kirk Herbstreet, which I think is a great pairing. Now, I'm going to have to... Right, let me explain to you what happened before the show so you understand why I'm going to have to find out where Amazon is. I want to get to where I can see the show in my screen. There's a monitor and then there's an iPad. So I'm mad at Corey. I'm mad. I'm Dylan. I'm mad at Ryan. I'm like, I need to see this. Well, we got to get hooked. No, I get. And I am dumb enough that I cannot figure out how to get the iPad to work. It's a new iPad. See this iPad? This iPad has this button right here. That's all the difference in the world. But this iPad down here 
doesn't have that button. It don't have that button. So I, I'm like, fellas, I'm too stupid. And then Dylan, bless his heart, tried to chime in and say he was stupid too. But never chime in with my level of stupidity. So there's no chance I can find where Amazon is. Even though I have Amazon Prime, and how do I know I have Amazon Prime? Because it gets delivered to my freaking house every day. Every day something's coming to my house. And you know what? Every day it's not for me. It's for the dog. I don't have a cat. It's for outside. It's for one of my my daughter, my stepdaughter, my wife, my son. My son. I got nothing. So not only do I not know how to turn an iPad on, I will never be able to find Amazon without a freaking compass, a slide rule, and a Sherpa walking along with me. Here's what you're going to hear in my house. Are you ready? Hey, Lee! Lee! She's already yelling what? How do we get Amazon? Telling you. I'm all over Corey. Why do I keep saying Corey? I'm all over Ryan and Dylan. Hey, I don't have a, I don't have a return. Well, we'll get you. No, I don't care. Bah, 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 bah. And I couldn't turn an iPad on. You think I can find Amazon? Let me tell you where I'm at. NBC, CBS, Fox, uh, ESPN, ESPN2, and Golf Channel because I like watching Thursday golf. I don't, Bravo because I love the Real Housewives. We watched them last night. The ladies of the OC, man, they're starting to get like Jersey and New York. I couldn't find Amazon. Where's Amazon right now? Hey, Dylan, can you pop on the show? You can't, can you? Hello? No, I can't. We don't have a camera. Damn. No. Dylan, do you know where Amazon is? Dylan. Like the jungle? No. No. <laughs> no. To get to get the NFL game on Thursday. Oh, Amazon Prime. I, I don't know. It's just streaming. That's it. It's just an app. See, see, Dylan's a tech guy, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know." I'm with Dylan. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of hey Lee, where's Amazon? But I don't care because once I get there, I like me some Al Michaels, and I like me for some Herb Street. I was texting with Herb Street yesterday. He's excited, obviously, and I'm excited for him. I am. But I, hey, I'm going to be like Dylan. Hey, I don't know, man. I think it's some kind of app somewhere. I know this. I know if we need dog food, Amazon comes. That I know. I know if we need, I don't know, coffee, Amazon comes. I know if... Stitch Fix is bringing something for my wife. Amazon comes. But I don't know where the hell to watch Amazon on TV, particularly a football game, but I'm gonna. But I'm happy for those guys. And apparently Jeff Bezos and the boys at Amazon are going to pay you a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner, really good linebacker. I have no idea if Bobby Wagner is in his prime, over his prime, out of his prime. I got no idea. None. Zero. Zip. But I do know this. There is a new sheriff in town, ladies and gentlemen. And that sheriff is the Los Angeles Rams. Dan, well, they just won the Super Bowl. Of course they're the new sheriff. No. A new sheriff sets new policy. A new sheriff 
sets stuff up. A new sheriff swings the dynamic of the county or the city or the state or whatever the hell he's the sheriff of. Let me explain. The Rams don't give a rat's ass about the old way of doing it. Draft choices. We need cap space, draft choices, and uh, sign your own. Yeah? Von Miller, rental. You did sign Aaron Donald. Smart. You did not wait for the draft. You traded the number one pick in the draft, Jared Goff, to get a quarterback that led you to a Super Bowl. Smart. Very smart. Uh, Wait, Robert Woods, you went down? Let me tell you something, Robert Woods. I'm going to go get OBJ. You are? Yep, I'm going to get OBJ. Uh, Growing your own sounds great. And every little media puke is going to go, yay, look at me grow our own, yay. Uh Uh-uh, you know what's greater? Winning. That's the only thing that matters in the NFL. I get all these guys that tell me, well, Dan, you understand being a general manager is nuanced. Uh Uh-huh, sure it is. Yeah, it's nuanced. Mm Mm-hmm. You can nuance your ass all the way back to an assistant scouting job after being a general manager if you don't win. It's the only thing that matters in the NFL. There are 17 weeks you have to win the vast majority to keep your job, to keep yourself relevant, to keep your team relevant, to keep fans coming downtown, to keep fans buying gear, to keep fans excited for the end of the season, maybe we get in the playoffs, to keep fans going to restaurants downtown. It's literally that important. In Indianapolis, we got a downtown. We got a circle. We got branches off that circle. We got restaurants about a block and a half, about four blocks away is the Mecca, Lucas Oil Stadium. It's right here. It's huge. Let's go. But everything in between is filled on game day as long as the Colts are good enough. There used to be a 10,000-person wait list for the Colts. Not anymore. Now they're begging you to buy tickets. Why? They haven't been winning. They haven't been winning. They've won enough. Guys have kept their job, but they haven't been winning. And a new sheriff comes in, and that sheriff is the Rams, and that sheriff says, I don't give a damn about how you guys used to do it. Grandpa Polian, you're a Hall of Famer. You deserve to be a Hall of Famer. But guess what? It's a new era. Free agents want to move. It's a lot like baseball. Guys want to come to a winning team. It's not quite like basketball yet, where guys want to bunch together and go. Money talks, bullshit walks, and the NFL, ladies and gentlemen, is becoming a free agent slash trade market as opposed to a draft market. Doesn't mean the draft isn't important. No one's saying it's not. Baseball, draft important. Basketball, draft first 10, 20, important. Football, draft really important, but not nearly as important anymore as simply figuring it out. Now, I want all you GMs to look at me. Look at me. Figure it out. What does that mean? Well, It means this. We need a quarterback. Figure it out. I think the Colts figured it out. They got Matt Ryan. They figured it out. That's great. Number two, figure it out. We need a left tackle. You better figure it out. Are we going to go sign an old guy? Are we going to take a chance on a young guy in our own uh, system? Are we going to draft somebody? Figure it out. It is no longer, you are no longer handcuffed by the draft. You're no longer handcuffed by just simple things. There's a whole world out there now with free agency, with trades that you can do. Figure it out. The Rams have. Bobby Wagner is the latest example of this.
He is. And you know what? The name of the show, don't at me. That's the name of the show. And the truth of the, the truth of the matter is when you say don't at me, don't at me questioning the greatness of what I just gave you right there because I just gave you greatness. I've watched this NFL stuff for years. And for years I bought into the same stuff, right? I did. I said, hey, man, wait a second here. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Draft choices. Draft choices are important. We got to have draft choices. You got to sign your own. I get it. Yeah, no. Nine more. I'll, again, I, I don't know. Can Bobby Wagner play? Don't know. No idea. Does Can he still play? Don't know. No clue. But I know this. I know this. If he can, he will be where he needs to be, which is with the frickin' Rams, because the Rams are smarter than everybody. So there you go. All right, NCAA viewership. I'm going to make sure I have this right. I think this is great, because it deserves to be up. NCAA tournament is averaging 3.06 million viewers per game through the second week across CBS, TBS, TNT, True TV, the best figure since 2017. It's up 15% from 2.67 viewers last year when the first four was aired on Thursday and the second round concluded on Monday. That was a weird year last year. So viewership should be up. It's also up 3% from 90, uh, 2019 when Zion Williamson really led the world out of the abyss or whatever. Zion Williamson became a, mam- a massive star. So in 2019, people watched, right? We like stars. But I think it's great, and I think it's warranted be- be- because, frankly, the NCAA tournament has been freaking awesome. It has. It's been awesome. And it's going to start being awesome tonight. And I'm going to give you bets. I'm going to give you previews. I'm going to give you everything you want as we go through this show. But I'm not surprised viewership is up. I think more people are talking about the NCAA tournament. You can almost argue that as bad as Rex Chapman is, he is, well, I don't know, adding to it because he's adding to conversation. Seriously. Serious business. When you add to conversation, you get people going, hey, look, I hear Rex Chapman's a train wreck on TV. I'm going to watch. I mean, you do. You just simply do. So anyway, I, I pay attention to these things because I want college basketball to be great. I love college basketball. I do. I, th- I thought it got boring during the year. I did. I, I thought it got boring. But I got to tell you, this stuff tonight Tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday is going to be freaking amazing. Just like it was last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I would even argue last Tuesday is freaking great. I would. So the viewership number's up. That's where they should be. Oh, by the way, I just thought of this. I didn't hit Dylan or Ryan with this, so we're not going to have a cute graphic. Zion Williamson, I'm watching Zion Williamson yesterday, and I understand, and maybe maybe I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just nutty, but you're being paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Yesterday, they showed him dunking, and it became a headline. Then they said he's playing one-on-one, 
And I looked at Zion Williamson dunking, and I get it. I look at things as a coach. I mean, I, you know, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, when I look at things as a coach, I go, man, he's still fat. I'm sorry to use that word, and I know we're not supposed to use it, but he is. I mean, he's just out of shape. I guess out of shape's a better way to put it. Like, there comes a time when your own personal pride, like, I don't have any. I'm not going to lie. I have no personal pride. Uh, Hey, Lee! I was going to say, do I have any discipline? No. Do I have any personal pride in appearance? No. If I did, I wouldn't be 25 pounds overweight, so I know exactly what Williamson is dealing with, but I'm not paid to be in great shape and lead a franchise. I'm not paid for that. But he is, and I watch him, and I'm like, God dang, I mean, cut this up. We've seen it before, man. We've seen players go from heavy to really productive, and we always point to Barkley, but there's Popeye Jones was one of those guys. There's so many guys. I remember this is going back. Man, long time. Jalen Rose was playing in Indianapolis. My brother, my dad, and myself, we bought a house. We just bought a house. I don't know. My brother's, my brother's wife's a realtor. They had a deal. Nice house. Jalen Rose was looking for a house. He rented our house. And one of the things that he put in there was that we couldn't come in the house. Okay. I mean, I don't give a damn. Pay the bills and don't wreck it. Uh, Long story short, the house at the end of the 12 months or however long he had it was immaculate. I mean, I've always had respect for Jalen because it was absolutely immaculate. But what I was told by people that knew were the only people that were going in that house was Jalen's nutritionist, weight guy, maybe a friend or two. That's it. But the nutritionist was always there, the cook. And Jalen Rose wasn't heavy. I mean, everybody saw Jalen Rose. And this, this could be a wives' tale. I don't know. But that's what I was told. And I always had respect for Jalen Rose because, you know what, he wanted to be a pro and he acted like a pro. That's what pros do. Barkley told the story on these airways about how Moses Malone told him, you're not playing because you're fat. Nothing wrong with that. That's what coaches should do. And, and somebody needs to tell Zion Williamson, yeah, you're dunking the ball. Yeah, you look athletic, but you're not near what you could be. And it's time to get where you should be. I mean, all of a sudden, I swear to God, those of you guys that are younger out there, you're going to learn this. My mother told me this. Life's a dream. You wake up, you're 50. It's true. You wake up, and all of a sudden, you're like, son of a biscuit maker, where did this go? Well, that's going to happen with Zion Williamson. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, Zion Williamson is going to wake up, and all of a sudden, he's going to be 30, and man, oh man, oh man. Hmm. All right. When we come back, get ready. Going to talk a little politics, going to talk a little Supreme Court hearing, going to talk a lot about the, oh man, about betting the NCAA tournament. I'm not in love with this slate. I'm not. I don't think Jason is either, but I am big time. I don't mean, oh, actually, I do like this slate, but there is a game on Friday that I said to bet. Now I'm saying to double or triple down on it. All right, it is Don't At Me. I am Dan Dockage. Go right now and retweet our show. I need more viewers. Retweet it right now. Come on. Come on, Sean. Come on, Jennifer. Come on, Joe to the sea. Let's go, baby. Be right back. Hey, you know them, you love them, you need them, you want them. That's right. 
Indianapolis is finest, but really, I mean, let's be honest, he should be taking over the world because, well, not only does he cover politics like no other with an unbiased, realistic, very smart approach, but you know what else he does? He covers gambling and sports better than anybody in the city outside of me. That's right. I'm not giving you my title yet, Jason Hammer, but you know what? I'm probably just being full of crap. Thanks for joining the show, my friend. Anytime. I believe the last three times I've been on your program, we've had three betting picks each time. I think we're seven and two, Coach. I, I said twelve and two. I thought we had more, but I think you're right. I think I think seven and two is well, more. Well, you may accurate. be right. I, I do a lot, and so and I, it may be. So I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I get it. No, I I totally get that. I when alcohol. You know, what, what happens with alcohol is you wake up and you go, did I tweak that? That sounded really smart last night. Did I bet that? That sounded really good last night. You know? <laughs> hey, big dog, let's talk politics first, though. Uh, Supreme Court hearings, what are we thinking so far? What's going on? This has been like <clears throat> the worst soap opera somebody would watch during the daytime featuring actors who couldn't get hired on a Hallmark movie. That's the kind of theatrics that we've had with the Supreme Court hearing. All right, so we could go down a couple of different roads for this because it's fascinating. Let's start with just what we know about Kintanji Brown Jackson, okay? Let's go down a little checklist here. We found out this week, based off of her words, not mine, she doesn't know what a woman is. Now, 20 years ago, that question would seem like it's a little ridiculous, but times have changed, Coach, and now you have to define what a woman is. Because if you're going to be sitting on the high court with some of the greatest legal minds in this country on the Supreme Court, you're going to have to start dealing with cases of transitioning, transgenders, women, men, sports, all kinds of different things. So I think it's a fair question to ask somebody, what is a woman? Especially considering she's there because she is a black woman. Again, not my words. That's Joe Biden's words. He wanted a black woman. If you were a qualified black man, there was no chance you were getting this gig from Joe Biden. If you were a qualified Asian or Latino or white woman, there was no chance you were getting this gig from Joe Biden. She is there because she checked a certain amount of boxes on the Democrat playbook. And I don't think it's too over the top to ask somebody who could be making decisions on what happens with some of these transgender cases, define a woman. You would have thought that somebody asked her to break down the square root of 7.5 thousand, Coach. There was no answer. I don't think it's asking too much to have a Supreme Court justice at least give us an answer. How hard is it to say that a woman has female DNA? You're born a female. You have reproductive organs. You have two X chromosomes. It's really not that hard. If the Democrats are the party of science, which has been shoved down my throat for two years, how is that a hard question? We also learned that Contenji Brown Jackson has kind of got a little bit of a history of going soft on those busted with child porn. Now, that's not a stigma that I would want to have with me if I were a judge. So the specific case that was really brought up in the hearing this past week was an 18-year-old who had tons of ridiculous amounts of child porn of an eight-year-old. And back when Contangi Brown Jackson was doing this trial as a judge, 
She gave him three months, just three months, substantially lower than what all the prosecutors were asking for. And when grilled about it, her excuse was, well, there's the Internet. It makes it easy to disperse. And what? What kind of ridiculous answer is that? And the one thing that I noticed about this trial, Coach, is that it's been, for the most part, about her legal decisions, her judicial background, and her way of thinking, which are critical to somebody who, again, is going to be on the highest court in the land. What you haven't heard are questions about farting, questions about beers, question about what you had in your high school yearbook, question about her dating life. Can you imagine what would happen if Josh Hawley asked Kentonji Brown Jackson about farting? Can you imagine how the internet would break and every single person in the world would lose their minds if they treated her the way they treated Brett Kavanaugh? They didn't treat Brett Kavanaugh about his decision-making in the courtroom. There's nothing about that. It was personal, just horrific attacks on a guy in his family. For the most part, what I've seen with Contangi Brown Jackson's hearing is that it's been about her way of thinking, whether it's from critical race theory, going soft on perverts, you know, not answering what a woman is, trials she's had in the past, why she thinks the way that she does. I think these are fair game for a Supreme Court hearing. When you, does it matter? I mean, here's how I look at this. I look at this like this is all just a sham. Like, you're going to get caught. If you say no, you're going to get the IST label, right? right? Is, is this just like, is this just going through a formality to get to an inevitable conclusion? It is. Um, she's going to most likely be confirmed. And even if she had horrific answers, and I got to be honest, her answers have not been great uh, during this, this hearing, but nobody has got enough hair on their you-know-whats to tell her, sorry, we're not going to pick you because for the rest of their life, they're going to be called a racist. Now, keep in mind, Joe Biden had every opportunity to jump on board with a black female Supreme Court justice back in 2005. And he was the one back then working you know, behind the scenes to make this go away. So you know, it's all about your party. And the Republicans are weak. Very few of them have enough testicular fortitude to step forward, speak up and say, yeah, I'm not voting for you because you can't define what a woman is. You have a history of critical race theory that you put in your classroom because you're a board member of this day school. Um, I don't like that type of thinking being on the Supreme Court. Very few of these guys have any balls, coach. So what they're going to do is they're going to grandstand on television. They're going to say a few things, and ultimately, they're going to vote to confirm this woman. Is there any positives of what you've taken out of from her? It's been the same as pretty much any other justice. I, I've not been really that impressed. I mean, she's worked her way up the legal ranks. She came from you know the, the lower court system that brought us Brett Kavanaugh and things like that. So she's paid her dues. Uh, she's qualified. It just comes into... How is she going to think when she gets on the Supreme Court? Again, sitting on this day school in Georgetown, where part of her role is uh, to be a board member, allowing all these critical race theory books to be part of young kids. And for anybody that says, well, CRT is not taught in schools. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? Because there's literally a book called Critical Race Theory that Contingy Brown Jackson has allowed 
in this day school for children. Another book that was brought up, and I think it was Ted Cruz that brought this up, Anti-Racist Baby, one of the fine works from Ibram Kendi. Now, again, my kids are older, Coach. I got a teenager. I got uh, a, a junior in high school. But I don't know if Anti-Racist Baby is something I want my young kids to be reading if they're in school. And for those who don't follow politics closely, let me break this down for you. You see those words together, anti-racist, and you think, well, well, that's great. I, I don't want to be a racist. I want to be the anti-racist. It's a total trap. It's a total sham because the way that they teach how to be anti-racist is by being full-blown racist. That's how it works. They won't admit it, but that's 100% how it is. And if you've got a board member at a school that thinks that's a great thing to have for young children to be reading, you've got a person that doesn't know what a woman is, a person that has been asked, when does life begin and could not give you an answer, which I think is a pretty big thing to have in the Supreme Court, somebody that's going to be talking about and dealing with abortion. It hasn't been a real good week for Ketanji Brown Jackson, but it doesn't matter because the Republicans are going to grill her. Some of them are going to grandstand. I mean, let's be honest. And the Democrats are going to sit back and try to slowly massage her thighs and talk about how great she is. It's a circus and it's not going to do anything. I've never understood, and I'm going back. I've followed this stuff for my whole life. I've never understood being married to an ideology or married to a party or an ideology because of that party. I've, I've never understood it, but of course we've never, I don't think in my lifetime, had so many people so married to a party. Like, what, whatever, and, and then go either way. Right. Whatever happened to thinking for yourself? Whatever happened to common sense? Whatever happened to saying, hey, look, what was done to Kavanaugh was wrong. Who gives a damn about his high school party? Who gives a damn about farting? Who gives a damn about how, it, it, uh, beer? Do you like beer? Remember that was asked? He talked about like, beer for How about we just minutes. ask yeah. questions that... Yeah. I mean, how about what, when did we get so married to a particular ideology within a party? When did this happen? When the money became so big. That's when it happened. You know, 50 years ago, the money was there, but it wasn't this type of money. It is insane from the super PACs to the lobbyists to these big time funders, whether it's Soros, whether, you know, I don't know if Elon Musk has a history of donating one way or the other, but guys like that, guys that have this just ridiculous amount of money. And this is why it's so important that you go out and vote in local elections, because for the most part, the money doesn't come for your local elections. It stays at the national level. And a lot of your local folks, they're out there on their own. They're going to follow the lead, but the money's not there. So when you stay home from a local election, and you allow one of these lunatics, whether it's from the right or the left, to just keep getting their job back again. When you go out and vote and you see that question on your ballot of should judge so-and-so be retained, and you just think, ah, sure, why the hell not? And then you realize that these criminals are getting let out left and right in major cities. There's a revolving door of the justice system. Study. Do your homework. Because the quickest way into your pocketbook is through your local officials. And it goes from the top to the bottom down. You know, again, I, this is, I'm going to go back to the, the uh, Supreme Court. <laughs> why, why do you think that the personal life of Kavanaugh was such a big deal and the personal life here is not? Because with Kavanaugh, it's all they have. 
that's all they had. And you're going to find when Democrats get cornered and they have no other recourse, you're a racist or you're a sexist or you're uh, a rapist in Kavanaugh's case. Yeah. They knew they couldn't go at him on his legal record. They knew that. So they wanted to make this guy look like he was the second coming of Jack the Ripper or something. Now, again, think about what was brought up in that trial. You brought Michael Avenatti, two-time felon, Michael Avenatti out there to bring some chick who didn't know her left from the right, Sweatnik, the, quote, accuser of Brett Kavanaugh, that one woman that looked like Garth from Wayne's World that couldn't even remember whether or not she was at the party, when the party was, who was at the party. This was supposed to be the, the smoking gun on Brett Kavanaugh. That was the circus that was this show. And his family was there. His wife was there. Nobody had any sort of proof to back up anything they said about Brett Kavanaugh. But yet it was the most disgusting thing that we've seen. And none of these people feel bad that did it. If you ask Dick Durbin, if you ask Hakeem Jeffries, if you ask any of these folks on the left, if you ask Kamala Harris, if they feel bad about what they did to Brett Kavanaugh and his family, they're going to tell you no. And they would do it again a million times in a row. These are the worst people in the world. And last thing about the Kavanaugh hearing compared to what we're seeing with Kentanji Brown-Jackson, look at the way the media is covering this. The way that oh. people like Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert and some of these late night butt sniffers, the way that they're talking about what's happening with Kentanji Brown-Jackson, you would have thought that they dragged her to a Klan rally. They've asked her about her way of thinking, and they've asked her about her judicial history. Again, nobody asked Kentanji Brown-Jackson about how many times she's farted. Nobody's asked her about who she was hooking up with or what she did in a high school yearbook. If that were to happen, CNN, MSNBC, it'd be DEFCON 1 with the coverage. Hey, let's go to some bets here, big boy. You're not loving the slate tonight. No. I like the Friday games a lot better than tonight's games. The only one that I'm remotely thinking about putting some scratch on is Arizona and Houston. And I'm thinking about the under here, 144 and a half, I believe, or 145 and a half is the number. Um, the reason I want to go under in this, I think Houston can control the pace a little bit. Houston wants to slow it down. They want to burn that shot clock. Arizona, they kind of want to get up and down. But I think Houston can kind of control that pace. And Houston's better on the offensive glass. When you look at what happened in their previous games, right? So you had Arizona. They were out-rebounded by a 20 to 14 margin on the offensive glass by TCU. Well, if you're getting out-rebounded 20 to 14 by TCU, I got news for you. Houston's going to attack the glass and probably do the exact same. Houston's pretty good on the offensive glass. Both teams are pretty good defensively. Arizona, a little bit better offensively. But I just like the under in this one. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. And I'm going to ride the under tonight. All right. I have a uh, theory. You ready? I have a theory. It goes to football, college football. And it goes like this. Always take Urban Meyer and the points. Always take Nick Saban and the points. And even if you're wrong, even if you got it wrong, you made the right bet, which is a stupid <laughs> way to look at it. But what the hell? I, I am rolling with Coach K tonight plus one because no other reason. I think Texas Tech's really good. 
No other reason than take Coach K and the points in the NCAA tournament because it doesn't happen very often. Can you imagine? Am I the, wrong? What are I'm you, with you. I mean, uh, that makes sense. I'm not pulling the trigger on that one because I do think Texas Tech is pretty good. But if you're looking about all the intangibles yeah. here, if you're doing the pros and the cons, think about the officiating. Now, I'm not trying to get too tinfoil hat on you here, but do you think there's a referee? Yes, you are. You yes, you are. There's an official yes, you are. that has enough hair on his ass to call a game-changing call to send Coach K into retirement? Do you think that's going to go down? Ooh. I don't. Ooh. Ooh. I e e e e e Particularly, like, I don't know if you saw the end of the Arizona TCU game where they didn't call the foul on Arizona at half court and they didn't call over and back. <laughs> Woo! I'll tell you this. Uh, I would bet, to your point, that officials want a blowout either way. They don't care. Like, a blowout meaning I don't want to have to make that call, right? The Remember when Chris Weber called timeout? He traveled before right. that. Nobody, No call. Right. I'm with I'm with you. Let me stay with Coach K because you follow this. Who said it yesterday? Somebody on the show said it yesterday. They think Coach K, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Coach K pulls a Tom Brady and says, yeah, particularly if they lose. I'm going to run it back here. <laughs> you like that theory, tinfoil hat Listen, guy? Nothing is impossible. Let me strap that tinfoil hat on. I think that ass whooping and that final home game to North Carolina kind of made Coach K say, can we do this again? Like, maybe next time can we schedule somebody yeah. that's not North Carolina to come in here and beat my ass? But <laughs> if they go to the Final Four, if they go on past that, that's yeah. all she wrote. I agree with that. No, I, I think all bets are off if they go to the Final Four. If they lose to Texas Tech, that would be uh, a little bit of a different deal. Think about it. You lose to North, North Carolina at home, Virginia Tech in the tournament, and then now it would be Texas Tech. That's not exactly, with all due respect to everybody, North Carolina certainly, but that's not losing to Kansas and UCLA to end the career. All right, I'm going to tell you why, and I know you like this bet. You like Purdue minus 12 and a half, right? I do. I like Purdue to beat the brakes off of St. Peter's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why I like it even more. Let's you go. ready? Yesterday, one of the stars at St. Peter's decided that in the middle of the week, he was going to sign an NIL deal with Buffalo Wild Wings. Now, you all say, well, kids should have fun. I, I, and I agree. Nobody had more fun as a basketball player in college than I. But I am saying, as a coach, as a coach, I am saying, hey, dude, great, you signed the NIL deal. Yeah, you're making money. But we've played with a damn chip on our shoulder the entire freaking tournament, and now we don't have that chip because we're selling wings and getting paid for it. I'm telling you. That's why I say double your damn bet. Put everything you own on frickin' uh, Purdue, and your toes are going to be tapping, big boy. What does that do to a locker room, Coach? That's what it. What does that do? Like, you're a teammate I don't know. Peters, and you see Porn Stash McGee there just signed a deal with B-dubs. Like, are you thinking to yourself, now, wait a minute. I lead this team in rebounding, or I lead this team in this and that. We wouldn't be here without a shot that I hit. Are you going to share any of that money? Like, does this create some sort of rift inside the uh, the locker room, Coach? Uh, I've had, I've not been in a locker room with the NIL, but I've had numerous coaches tell me early in the season they had to overcome that. I've also said in my world, hey, as a backup player, 
if Steve Alford got all the money, I'd be cool with that. He deserves it. But if Stu Robinson, who was a bit player <laughs> like me, he got more money than me. I'm pissed, right? right? Well, I'll give yeah, the, he is stash guy. His name is Doug Eater, and he hit big shots, man. He he's number 25. Those of you that don't know their team, 25 is hitting threes to send it to over. Great story. But I'm telling you, man, am I doubling down on Purdue in 12 and a half, big Take boy. The NIL I'm doubling stuff. it. Maybe Take triple. the NIL huh? stuff out of the equation, right? Just look at the game matchup itself. I got news for that kid with the B-dubs endorsement and the porn stash. Ooh. This Purdue team is different. You have not seen anything like these dudes. Purdue has rolled through the non-conference. Every single game Purdue has lost this year has been in conference with teams that know what Purdue does. It's been the same Purdue formula since you were playing. They're going to have some really big, strong dudes up front, and they're going to get just enough in the backcourt to make them dangerous. Well, this year, they've added probably one of the top four picks in the NBA draft in Jaden Ivey. And Purdue can beat you multiple ways. This is why I like Purdue so much. They can beat you with Jade Ivey going to the rack. And there's probably nobody better in the country that can get to the basket than Jade Ivey. But let's just say he's off. Let's say Stefanovic is not hitting his three-pointers. They can physically punch you in the mouth. They've got a seven-footer if he's not getting it done. They're bringing a dude off the bench that was all Big Ten a couple years ago. That's the sixth man now in Travion Williams, who might be better than the starting seven-footer. They come at you with waves. They have strength. They have size. And I know St. Peter's beat Kentucky, but if Purdue decides they want to slow things down and physically punch you in the mouth, this is going to get ugly early. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. you can take the NIL stuff out. That's, that's ancillary. But the Purdue matchup against a smaller team that does – now, look, hey, St. Mary's is all, or St. Peter's is all heart. I'll give you that. There's no question. And it does a body good to see them beat Kentucky, at least in the state of Indiana. And then I thought them backing it up against Murray was fantastic because I thought when you just looked at the teams and looked at how they played over the years, Murray was a better team. But you know what? They beat them 10. This is a team with some satchel, uh, St. Peter's, but Purdue is a different breed of cat right now, and I don't like that matchup for those guys. Miami, big boy. You like you like the canes of Coach Larinaga. I eh? do like the fighting Larinagas here because I watched that game against Wisconsin, um, and oh, I'm sorry, Auburn, and they shot like crap, and they still beat a good team. I think they were like three out of fifteen from three point line in that game, and still found a way to win because they play defense. And as much as things change from year to year in college basketball. What we've seen with the NCAA tournament is if you have experienced dudes, if you have juniors and seniors and they play defense, you can make a run. And Miami creates turnovers. I love what Miami does defensively. They will create some turnovers. And when you look at Iowa State, they will turn the ball over. Uh, I think they've had, what, 24 turnovers in two games uh, in the NCAA tournament. Sooner or later, if you're that sloppy with the basketball, you're going to find yourself checked out. And whether it was, you know, Butler and their amazing back-to-back runs to the championship game, doing it with defense, or some of these other teams, if you can play some defense year in and year out, you can make a deep run in March. And I don't love this game, but the line is low enough. It's two and a half. 
I'll lay the two and a half here uh, with the Hurricanes. I think they're playing better ball, better team defense. They're going to create the turnovers. Iowa State's too sloppy with the ball. That low of a point spread, you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> you beautiful, sweet bastard. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Providence, baby. I'm a big pro. I've been a Providence fan. I'm an Ed Cooley fan. I'm more of an Ed Cooley fan as a person than I am as a coach, and he's a great coach. Uh, you like him getting seven and a half against Kansas. I do. Um, I have Kansas winning the whole thing. Like when I filled out my bracket, I had Kansas winning the whole thing. Yeah. I still think Kansas wins this game, but I'm telling you, Providence, Providence is going to hang around. Um, they're well coached. And when they're underdogs, if I can get a little analytical nerd here on you, seven and two straight up this year as an underdog, straight up, eight and one against the spread. They get that chip on their shoulder. You brought that up earlier, coach. Teams that play with that chip on their shoulder. Providence is tough. They've got some physical dudes. They got some guys that can break you down off the dribble. Um, Kansas didn't look great against Creighton. Uh, they won that game. It was kind of a sloppy bit of a slugfest at times, but I think Providence hangs around in this one. Kansas wins the game, but seven and a half is too many points. Um, I'm hoping maybe by tomorrow that can jump up to eight, but if not, I feel good about seven and a half. I'm with you. Like, I, I think Providence is terrific. I mean, what Richmond comes off beating the brakes off Iowa, and, and you know, next thing you know, they – they can't do nothing. They can't get to 52 against uh, the, the fighting Ed Cooleys. I'm all in on Providence, man. I've been in all in on Providence for basically the entire year. I'm all in on you too, my friend. Have a great day. Thanks for your time. You're Thanks, the best. Coach. That's Jason Hammer. You can catch him 93.1, 3 to 7, every day on 93.1. He's fantastic. All right. Uh, we're going to have Tom Izzo on next, and we're going to get into a lot of stuff with Coach Izzo. Also, uh, I got uh, – what do I got? I got some awards coming up at 1030, and I'm going to send a couple uh, – Dylan and Ryan, I'm sending you a couple of things that I'd like to put up if we can when we get to the awards coming up at 1030. All right, we come back. The coach, the Hall of Famer, the main man. Michigan State, arguably one of the five best tournament coaches in the country. Tom Izzo joins us next. But first, I got to go potty. Hey, there are legends and there are legends. Coach Izzo joins us. Hey, you're not as bad. Beheim, he's sitting there like this in front of his screen, and his wife is literally doing everything. And... Turning it on, I think she put his hat on for him. You know what I mean? You're in great shape, Coach. You know Thank what? You. I'm on a couple of committees with him, and she, Julie does that for him when on our committee meetings too. So I'm not much better, but I'm uh, – you know what? That's why you have assistants. Right. Hey, if you – you want to do this or you want to get paid? What do you want to do, lady That's or man? Hey, assistant, what do you want That's to do? exactly right. You, you, you got to do something here. I, I've earned that right. I got enough problems coaching my team, yes. figuring out my computer. <laughs> hey, uh, first and foremost, I don't think this was made enough of. You broke Bob Knight's all-time Big Ten coaching record, and I don't give a damn if you go coach speak on me. I don't give a damn what you go. That is an un 
freaking believable accomplishment, Coach. Unbelievable. Congratulations. Well, thanks, Danny. You know, I, to be honest with you, I mean, you played and worked for him, and, uh, you know, everybody can have their own opinions, but uh, he did some incredible things, and he lasted the test of time, and uh, and I think that's one thing that I've done. You know, I've stayed in the same place. I had a lot of great players that helped me win a lot of games, but uh, – that was something to be even mentioned in the same name as some of those guys. You know, I've always been a, a Knight and Katie fan being in the big 10. Those were two guys that when I was an assistant, I grew up on. And uh, so to even be talked about with those guys was pretty special for me. How was it as a young coach being in, in uh, big 10 coaches meetings with Knight and Katie? I, I always tell my favorite story and it was uh, my first meeting. And we were voting on the Big Ten tournament. A lot of guys didn't want it then, you know. And so I get, yeah, I get down right. there and and Bob and Gene and Clem Haskins, you know, all pretty big guys, right? So I'm sitting in the back of the room like this, you know, kind of covered up and huddled up. And and uh, we have a little break in the action and little little 10-minute off period. And those three guys come walking back and – they're standing over me and they said, you know, Judd is good friends of ours. I said, yeah, I know that. And they said, and we're voting on the big 10 tournament today. And I said, Oh yeah. You know, I really didn't know. I didn't even know anything. It's my first meeting. And they said, and uh, we don't want it. So uh, we would suggest you vote our way, boy. And I said, yes, sir, boy. <laughs> and, and I voted against it and it went anyway. So, that, that was my first. It meeting. went anyway. Yeah, those guys were crazy. Isn't that weird? Now you look back. You you look back on those three guys, and even you. Now let's not exclude you from this. Uh, even myself. But you look at the antics that guys used to do on the sidelines. Katie would throw his. Co Can you imagine doing that oh, now? God, you would get thrown out of the state, maybe the country. You'd be suspended <laughs> for like six weeks. Right. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, <laughs> officials can't take what they could take back then. and uh, But, you know, some of it's good. I mean, that was a little crazy, but some of it's bad, too, that we're determining games on some of these technicals and things that I've seen. I think it kind of tells you that maybe, uh, you know, officials got to get better, too, on that. I mean, some of that stuff. And when the guys could talk to you and combine, say, you do that again or give you a warning or they – they pre-coached you a little bit, pre-officiated you. Now everything's got to be boom. So I, I, I feel bad for the modern-day coach. Uh, I think I'll just keep doing it my way and see what happens. <laughs> well, you're modern-day because you always win, for crying out loud. Hey, you and Coach K, man, it's a, it's a, it's a great deal because it's the most competitive – well, it's the most times two great coaches have coached against each other in the tournament – how was that? You know, how was that going up against Kay this year? I know you lost, and there's all that pissed off about that, but it, it, the relationship with you and Kay. Well, he loves me because he's won, like, 90% of the game, so he, I'm his hero. You know, he sees me, and he says, oh, good, I'm moving on. But, you know, we've had some battles. You know, the first one was in the Final Four in 98, uh, and uh, that was a four-point game, and and we've had some close ones. One in Indy, I think they beat us by 18, but only that one in uh, in maybe uh, Washington when they had Zion, we beat them. And uh, this last one, you know, uh, 
God, Dan, I thought it was a game. I, I just felt we could win it. I thought we were playing better. We weren't great. But uh, we found a way to lose it. You know, we got a five-point lead late. I thought they'd crack, too. I really did. And I say that because we did, did in the, against well, North Carolina. Then they did against Virginia Tech where they start taking bad shots. And I'll give him credit and them credit. I think they learned from that. And they started driving the ball and getting fouled or getting those layups. And we didn't cover that very well. They hit one three, but they hit, they drove the ball really well against us and uh, didn't settle for those jump shots. And I think that's why they beat us. I want to go back to something because Gene Katie, Coach Katie told me one time, he goes, hey, Dan, he goes, you know, Coach Knight loved me when he was beating my ass. Then all of a sudden I started beating him. He didn't love me so much. I'm like, really? You know, <laughs> really? You know. Bye, bye, Gene. You're really a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow. That should be on a on a bathroom <laughs> wall somewhere, right? I mean, <laughs> because let's be honest. In coaching, like I get it. Everybody, you know, guy like you and I'm sure Kay or buddies, you see each other, all that kind of stuff. But it really comes down to who beats whose ass, doesn't you it? Know, <laughs> doesn't it really, really does. I think the difference is. Um, you know, a lot of times, as you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in college basketball now, and it's getting worse. But I, I think when you respect people, you know, that's one thing. Everybody warned me that, you know, my first win, I think you know this, was against Indiana. And it was my first Big Ten game here. And there were 4,000 red sweaters in the audience here. And uh, you guys were good. We weren't that good. And we found a way to win. And, you know, throughout that, my career, um, Bob always treated me well, you know, and, and Gene the same way. Cause I think they respected Judd, not me, but it didn't matter. At least I think when there's respect, like I, I respect Kay, I respect what he's done and, and uh, hated to lose, but you know, maybe this is the way it's meant to be, you know, maybe he's meant to be interesting. CB wins tonight. I think their team is good, but I, I think something's maybe not quite there for them to be, that much better than anybody else. And I don't think anybody in the country is this year, though. That's the problem. I was going to ask you that. You know, it, it, do you think there's a dominant team? Like, do you think it's because – and if not, why? Do you think it's people are older, the transfer, people not used to playing? I mean, what, what, what do you see out of college basketball? Well, you know, me, I'm against the transfer portal, and I don't think that I – don't, I don't think everybody's on the same page together. There's people now that are maybe upset – that they were playing last year. They're not, they're already thinking about transferring. There's other people that are coming in and coaches are trying to work them in. Uh, some guys have done a great job. Look at, look at, I guess it's Texas tech. They've had a bunch of them and still one, but you know, I think when you look at it on paper in 2009, we played North Carolina. I swear to God, all those guys came back to win a championship Hansboro and that group. And they did. And they beat us in the beginning of the year, and they beat us in the championship game, both by 20. I said that was one of the best teams I've ever seen that we played against. And uh, first of all, guys don't do that anymore. They're not coming back to win a championship. That's illegal. Um, they have to come. You know, maybe they'll come back. If they're not a certain <laughs> draft pick, but they're not coming back. Championships aren't quite the same as they used to be. But I think Gonzaga's got the best you know, chance in a way, but I, I don't know. I, you know, this Texas tech team is if defense wins championships, they're the best defensive team. I see, I still like Purdue. 
I really do. I think Matt's team has a little bit of everything. He's not always pleased with their defense, but I think somewhere in that there's DNA there that that can come out. I hope it does uh, today or tomorrow whenever they play. I do too. Uh, Beheim said on this show, 80% not good for transfers, 20% it worked out for transfers, meaning 80% it really hadn't worked out. You buy that number? Is that too high? Is that too low? What are your thoughts on that number? I do buy it because I think what we do is, you know, we had a running back here that was all world, but we had 16 transfers and a lot of them didn't play, you know. We don't ballyhoo the guys that didn't play. It's like the draft picks, you know, the, the 200 guys that come out early and you know, so many of them don't get, but you never hear about them. You just hear about the guys that did. I think same in the transfer. I, right. You know, I, I just think that, uh, I think that the damage is going to be done in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, right now it seems like a good deal for the players. I still think in the end it's going to be a bad deal for the players. So if you're at Michigan State and you say, well, I'm going to put my name in the portal. Where are you going to go? I'm going to Missouri. Okay. Well, you know, a year later, Missouri loses his coach. Is that a good deal? Or a year later, or that same year, maybe they go out and get four more guys, and the, some guys are taking seven, eight guys. How are you going to even know who they have? Um, and I think then you get disgruntled, and you're always thinking, maybe I should leave. Maybe I shouldn't. So I call it what I say, you're half pregnant, you know, and there's no such thing as being that. So I think it leads to a lot of discomfort, and I think a lot of players – are going to lose out. I, I know guys that put their name in the portal never got a scholarship because they just thought they put their name in the portal and somebody pick them up. Well, that's not the case either. So, you know, there's reasons for it. If the coach left, you know, I think that would have been okay. I do. But I don't think there's anything wrong with sitting out. Most of the guys transferring aren't pros anyway. They're going to the pros. Coach, one of your guys, I've used him, Rocket Watts, and you don't have to comment on this, but I didn't realize he even went to Mississippi State. I mean, Garrison Brooks, he goes to Mississippi State, too. They're not even in the NCAA tournament. Their team gets fired. And I'm sitting there going, man, Rocket Watts had a coach at Michigan State who literally, and you don't have to comment on this, but my sense of it was you did everything you possibly could to make this guy a player. You played him at off guard. You played him at guard. You moved him around. You and I'm sitting there going, God dang. I mean, maybe it would have clicked for him with you in his third year or his fourth year, whatever. I, I, it's right. But you're right. We just glorify the the, the couple that right. make it, right? We don't talk about the Watts and the Brookses, those oh, kind of Oh, and there's things. a lot more of those. And I talk to Rocket all, all the time right. right now, and I feel for him, you know. And, and uh, his situation here, he didn't leave in a bad way. Just I didn't think, you know, the position he wanted to play, he could play, and but, you know, I, I, I still love the kid. I really do. Uh, Foster Boyer. Yeah. You know, I think he found the perfect place for him. Uh, you know, I, I, I like him, too. I, I, you know, I'm trying to get him to come back as a GA, you know. It doesn't always end in a bad way. But I think whenever you have the ability to get out of something so easily, why would you fight through it? And we all had to fight through it. I mean, you were a GA. I was a GA. I mean, you know what that was like? Oh. That, that's almost inhumane to be one of those. And yet we, we all right. learned. We all fought through it. Uh, I don't think every place is for everybody. I don't think everybody's, you know, sometimes you should transfer. But if you transfer and you sit out, you get your education. You know you're going to graduate. Um, 
big deal. You get better in the year you're out. What's the big deal about it? I don't get it. I've never figured out where kids are. I, I, I get it. If I was going to be a first-round draft choice, I want to get out of college and no let's question. go. I want to, you know, I, I get that. But I've never under, I've never understood where kids want to go. The real world's a mother. Uh, my dad used to call it the. My dad, uh, Tom, his, today's his birthday. He's and he's dead, but he, he used to call it the whole catastrophe. He goes, wait till you get the whole catastrophe. A full-time job, a wife, a kids, yeah. the whole catastrophe. These guys want to go. I wanted a red shirt five years well, in Indiana. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I tell guys all the time, you know, what do you want to get out of school early? You get these kids that want to graduate in three years, even if they're not pros, just graduate. I said, let me tell you, you're going to work till 62. So instead of working 42 years, only work 40. You know, you're not going to make any more money. (laughs) You're going to enjoy. How many times do you tell people the best years you had? Now, our wives probably get mad at us, but we're in college. I mean, Mariucci and I, we'd go back to college tomorrow in stupid old Northern Michigan University. Oh. I'd go back there and live in that trailer I lived in. It was the greatest days I had. <laughs> and I make a lot of money, and I've had some fame. I'd go back to Northern Michigan tomorrow. Hey, I tell people, you get me Uwe Blah back in our apartment in Bloomington, shoot, I'll stay there until I'm 80. Are you kidding me? Oh, God. Hey, Coach Knight yelled at me today. So what? Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who cares? It didn't matter. At least you didn't get fired I, I don't like you've been in a I... regular job. Right. Amen, right. Man. That was – now, I will tell you this, and, and you understand this because I'm sure you got fired by Judd. All of a sudden, now I got the whole catastrophe. I got a wife. I got kids. And now when Knight's firing me, that's real, right? That's, that's, that's like, oh, man. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta kiss ass, right? Judd probably did it to oh, you. Man. I got, I told him one time on the bench. He says, "Well, you're fired." I said, "Okay, can you fire me after the game? Can we win the game first? You know, that's when I think I was the associate head coach. I had a, that was after about ten years. I had a little more courage, but I can't tell you how many times I was fired, man. I, wow, I was fired a lot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and, you know, uh, and again, I'm not trying to make this two old men just, you know, but, you know, when Knight would get mad at me, I'd try to figure out, all right, what's he mad about? I better fix it, right? I mean, that's, Oh, you know, man. I don't this, know. This, this is kind of like a hey. roast. This is more fun than a, in an interview. I mean, <laughs> it really is the truth, though. And, and I do tell players all the time, you know, spend an extra year. I tell my own kid, don't get out of college early. You know, I, I don't care if you graduate early. Enjoy it, especially now, Dan, with this COVID. I mean, half these kids have only been to one year of college. I mean, the last two years, you know, you're not even in class. You don't get to meet anybody. You don't get to do anything. So, I don't know. Everybody wants to get done with things faster. They better realize what they're getting into because it's tougher. Hey, let me ask you, because Stephen – plays for you when when it, I have a stepdaughter who's playing at Harvard uh, softball and when this whole thing hit she came home for like a year a year and a half because they you know she's trying to preserve eligibility and all that kind of stuff how was it for Steven how was it when when everything was shut down because it was hard for my stepdaughter being being you know, that was hard, hard for him too I mean you know we had him sequestered in their apartments because then they could just go from there to practice that one year, you know, and we didn't want them out anywhere. But I think the hardest thing, I mean, 
the hardest thing for him, he didn't even get to meet any buddies in the classroom. I mean, if Mary, if Mary right. Sue and I would have gone through that, you couldn't meet any girls. What the hell would you want to be alive for back at Northern Michigan? You know, you, that's where you meet people. And uh, you couldn't go out. You couldn't do anything. I feel sorry for these kids. And I think it's affected some of them a lot more than others. And that really didn't handle it well. So uh, it's been a tough couple of years. Same for everybody. So I'm, I'm not blaming anything on anything. I just, I feel sorry. And I, I try to tell guys, stay an extra year, man. You have a lot of years to work. It's not as it's not as much fun as you think. No. Randy Whitman told me one time when I was a freshman, he goes, hey, Dan, when you have a good game, get to class early. Because oh, yeah. everybody oh, yeah. wants to talk to you. You know. <laughs> and when you have a bad game, skip class. Yeah, I know. Tell Randy. Skip. Right no. Man. Skip. No. And, and, hey, and that's before all this freaking social media where you get crushed no matter what you do. So, Oh, man. I, how do you do this? I mean, I, what, do you have a – I don't know. How much time do you and your staff spend on social media issues or helping with so, – NIL, how much time do you all spend on this ancillary stuff? Well, it's getting to be more and more. You know, the NIL now is going to be a definite problem. If you hear some of the horror stories you're hearing, uh, you know, you almost got to go out and raise money. So, you know, and the NCA says you're not supposed to be able to do that. Everybody's doing it. I don't – I don't know what the rules are anymore. We're like Portland. We have no rules. We have no laws. You know, it's uh, it's really uh, it's really difficult. But I do think the social media has changed. You know, in 2010, when it really 10 years, it's it's probably changed my job more than anything because I don't follow it. I don't have it, but I have people here that do just so we can keep an eye on our own kids and everything. But you know, you can't keep an eye on those parents back home that are hearing things and, and you know, then they're upset because their kid's getting it chewed out, you know, and some of the things I, I told you that the latest one for me, the last year or two, we legalized gambling in our state. Now people are mad at our guys that they didn't win or lose by enough because they didn't cover. And uh, you should see some of the the things that are said to some of our guys. I mean, those are pressures that uh, are hard to believe, you know, it's, uh, I mean, guys mad because we had one guy mad. Cause if one of our guys would have taken a last shot, we might've covered and he didn't take the shot. So mad about that. You know, it's, it's way different than people know or think. I promise you that. I think the gambling thing is I awful. Like we have it here in Indiana. We were one of the first States and, and I hear it all the time about, well, yeah, but they didn't cover. Yeah, but the kid, you know, it's that is yeah. terrible. That's a bad road, man. I I think anyway. What do I know? Same as me, but I agree with you. You know, hey, Tom, hey, let me go this route with you. Um, does anybody ever have your players ever come to you and and, and like been threatened or anything like that? Is there any, is that coming oh, yeah. from the gambling aspect? Oh yeah, that, we've had some yeah. players that have come to us with that and. I mean, some of the things that they let me read on their stuff, once in a while they'll bring it in and say, here, I had a kid who, well, when Foster Lawyer left, to be honest with you, I think he would have stayed, but the social media was was just killing him. I mean, they said things to him you wouldn't say to a dog, you know, and it's it's a shame, and you don't know who it is. could be Michigan State fans. It could be Michigan fans. It could be just – a gambler that lost money on the guy, you know, I mean, you don't know what it is. 
we try to keep our kids off, but you know how that is. You got children too, and so do I. And it's uh, it's a difficult task, but I think that's why the mental health issues are growing because of what those kids have to go through, to be honest with you. Has that changed in your job? Like, I never saw a counselor when I was a player. I never thought – my counselor was Stroh's. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? It was like, hey, Saturday night, we're going to go forget about it. But has that changed? Have you had, do you have to have more people available for these kids to talk oh, to? I think that's going to be a major expense for most athletic departments. I, I think you're going to see the day soon when almost every team has somebody. Um, I really do. I think that's in the near future. Um, and, and probably needed for a lot of different reasons. You know, I don't as our generation doesn't understand it all, but boy, when you're still coaching 20 year olds, you have a, there's so many things thrown at these kids. I feel bad for him. I I think Michael Jordan said it best. I heard him comment, you know, the guy that you, when you kicked his ass a few years ago uh, for that one game. But I I think he, I heard him (laughs) say that uh, my, my assistants brought this to our meetings that uh, if he would have had to go through the social media, he doesn't know if he would have made it and been as good. Well, he was as mentally tough a player as I think any of us had. For him to make those comments is pretty revealing, I think, of what these guys have to go through. Yeah, I do too. You know, I mean, a lot of people say, well, you know, toughen up. I mean, you can toughen up through one or two comments, but when it starts just every single time, every single day, and then it's brought up to you, my God. And then uh, then if if the gambling's involved, then it can be brought up to you even if you win, but you didn't win by enough. You know, I mean, it doesn't Right. You scored 20 points. Yeah, but you needed to score 23 for me to cover. You know, I mean, it's, those are the things that I don't think the average person realizes and it's it's sick to be honest with you coach I had my uncle when I was a freshman we beat Kansas State and for some reason I got to start I had an uncle of mine call me after the game hey Danny boy like yeah he's South Chicago (laughs) guy hey uh great (laughs) great game I go thanks he goes hey you couldn't make the effing free throw because I missed a free throw at the end of the game I said hey uncle so-and-so don't ever call me back. And then I'm scared that the line's tapped, you know? I'm like, oh, man. Uh, if this line is tapped, I'm screwed, right? Like, oh. Hey, I'm I like, believe oh. all that, you I, know? That's a family if you think it was that way 30 years ago, think what it's like now. Yeah. Right. Um, do you do – you, do you watch all the games in the tournament now that you guys aren't in it? Are, are you like Bayheim that watches every single thing, or do you just say, hey, I got to get away? I got to get no, away. No, I watch him. You know, that's what I am. I'm a coach. That's what you are. I bet you watch him. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, every I game. watch every game too. You know, I, yeah, last night I watched the NIT, I watched BYU, I watched um, St. Bonaventures. You know, I, I mean, I still pick up things, I still learn things, and, uh, and then I want to see some of those guys are friends of mine or some of them got great stories. You know, maybe they had a struggle during the year and they came on at the end or something I can use with my guys. So I'll watch every game tonight and see what happens and, you know, kind of wish I was there. Uh, you know, it would have been fun if we could have made it. You know, my buddy Mariucci lives out there. Draymond, it's at his arena. I could have bought all the food and shoved it on his tab. You know, it would have been fun. But, but we're right. sitting home and uh, – 
I'll have a pizza and a beer and call it a day. Do you like, do you, is there a team you like watching? Like I've told my son, watch your team and watch Villanova. I, I, I just, Villanova that's what I, was one of the teams I would have said, you know, I do like watching Gonzaga. I think they run some good stuff, but Villanova does it the old fashioned. They grind you. They're, they're physical. They're tough. Um, pretty disciplined. They don't turn the ball over. You know, Dan, that's one thing we did. And when I talked to you before the tournament, our last five, six games, we averaged like eight turnovers a game. And for us, that's like a North American record. I think that's the best record in the history of my, <laughs> you know, we've always turned it over a little bit too much. So we did a better job, but Villanova is one of those teams. It's seven, eight times a game. Uh, they, they, they guard you. They're physical with you. So I'd say that's one of those games. I'm anxious to see a Texas Tech. I've seen them a little bit. They're pretty physical. I, I, I've been impressed with Arizona. You know, they seem to guard you, and they got an offense. They can do both. And we played Kansas early in the year. And, you know, I don't know how, because I wasn't in love with them then, but they just keep grinding you. You know, they, they, they're they pretty solid offensively. They always shoot 50%, and they pretty good defensively. So it's going to be interesting to see. Still betting on Purdue, though. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm pulling for my boilers. You know, I should pull for Michigan, too, but that's sort of yeah. illegal. So I'm pulling for uh, the conference, no. and I'm pulling for Matt. If you said you were pulling for Michigan, I was just simply going to say yeah, you're yeah, full yeah. shit. I, I, I that's all I was going to say. Cause I was... <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 you're the best, man. I appreciate that we got this figured out. That was really fun. Thanks, Coach. You, Thanks, Danny. my man. We'll do it again maybe before the finals are over. All right, I'm in. I'm in. Thank you, boss. See ya. That's the great Tom Izzo. He's great, man. That's so much fun. You just like dudes that can laugh a little bit, right? I mean, we all get so pent up and we all get so emotional. Everything's bad. Everything's good. I don't know. All right. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to have Dylan and Ryan put a uh, couple of things up that if you're a gambler, as we just talked about gambling, I think you're going to find interesting. I do. I think you're going to find what's coming up next on our screen interesting. And I'm going to go through some awards that we have already for the NCAA tournament. Now, having said that, uh, tournament starts tonight, too. But we're going to show you some things that I think you're going to be interested in, particularly if you're interested in gambling. We'll be right back. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was a lot of fun with the head man. Tom Izzo, that was a blast. See, I, people get all emotional with, oh, you and Izzo don't like each other. I freaking love the guy. I got no problem with people getting on my ass. I got no problem with people coming at me. Come at me all you want. Do it, baby. It don't matter to me. I ain't mad at you for that. Just be honest. Izzo got mad at me. I got mad at him. We had it out. We acted like men. It's what we do. All right, let's talk about a couple of things here right now. Let's go to this. Let's go to my little, uh, well, it's not little. It's important, in my humble opinion. It's important that you get my, my, not your, my, uh, whatever the hell it is, uh, awards. All right. We're going to give you my awards from the tournament. But first, I think there's going to be a graphic up here. Hey, guys, is it up? I can't see if it's up already. I, I don't. But anyway, um, the leader against the spread is St. Peter's, baby. That's right. 
St. Peter's is the best team against the spread. You know who the worst team against the spread is? The Purdue Boilermakers. Do you know how little I care? None. Although, my first award, Team of the Week, Team of the Tournament, is the St. Mary's, I forget what they're called, Bulldogs, Rockets, whatever. You see St. Mary's, or St. Peter's, excuse me, 22 and 9, Purdue 15, 10, uh, 20 and 1. All right, that's courtesy of a show that is on the Marquee Network, and it's a great show. It's on early morning. But anyway, but anyway uh, the team of the tournament so far has to be St. Peter's. And I'm not talking about because of this graphic. I'm talking about because they whipped Kentucky's ass. They beat Kentucky. Then they backed it up. And they beat Murray, who was more athletic, who was stronger, bigger, all that stuff. When you back up a great win with a great win, then I am all in on it. All right. Benedict Mathurin and Hunter Dickinson are my players of the tournament. Now, that could change. Michigan was down a boatload. Michigan was down a ton against Colorado State. Why? Well, because they started throwing the ball and stood there and went, oh, and throwing it into Hunter Dickinson. Don't do that. He'll go get 30. He will. I swear to you, he'll go get 30 just because. In fact, let's go through it. 27 and 11 against frickin' uh, Tennessee. Do you know how hard that is? Tennessee will guard you. 21 and 6 against Colorado State. I'm just telling you. You got to know how hard this is. You got to know how tough it is to drop that many points against Tennessee. I mean, honest to God, that ain't easy. And then my other player of the year, and I think I got this wrong in terms of our deal, is the Mathurin kid, or however the hell you say his name. I don't even give a damn how you say his name. He's good. Now, he's really good. And when he lifted up and he knocked it up, Benedict Mathurin. Benedict, all he did was this. Game's down three. He's dribbling. Bam! Drilled it. Had 30 against TCU. Now, look, the score was 85-80. It went to overtime, so somebody's going to get 30. But he did. He put 18-5 and five on Wright State. Uh, didn't need him all that much. But in 41 minutes, he goes 30. Hits the shot to put it into overtime, saves their season, gets eight rebounds, couple of steals. I'm telling you, those are the two players of the tournament thus far. Now, there's a lot of guys. You can take anybody on St. Peter's, and I'd say, oh, hell yeah. But those two guys, in really difficult circumstances, it is difficult to play against Tennessee. It ain't easy, ladies and gentlemen, when you're trying to beat Tennessee, when you're trying to beat a hot Tennessee team. That ain't easy. But you know what? Hunter Dickinson dropped 30. Come on. Don't at me, people. You know my thing. Don't at me. Let's see what else we got. Hey, do we have, guys, do we have the Indiana cheerleaders? Can we put that up? What the Indiana cheer... Can we play that? As soon as you're ready, just go ahead and play it, and I'll shut up. Or maybe he's got to go on Vern's shoulders. We got Toss holding Pfeiffer. That's the, Kelly is not tall enough. <laughs> Major issues here in Portland. 
Why don't we get a new ball? Yeah. Why, why don't the cheerleaders, <laughs> they're used to going up high. Let's get it. Yes, get the cheerleader up. Get her up there. This is how you do it. <laughs> Give her the mob. Now she's got it. Oh, what a play. The cheerleader saves the day. And that's her one shining moment. This place is on its feet. Or maybe he's got to go on. How about that? How good is that, right? Is that any good? Matthias Tass, the ball went up top. Next thing you know, Ethan Ferguson uh, grabs Cassidy Cherney, and that's what they do. How great is that? Yeah. That's the play of the tournament. And actually, for Indiana, that lost by 30. That was the only play in the tournament. I guess they beat Wyoming, so we're supposed to be happy about that. But how great was that? That was unbelievable. I saw that happen, actually, in a high school game. Tim Seneff, who is an uh, All-American football player at Purdue, when he was in high school, he was a few years older than me. He climbed up the back and knocked it out. But I've never seen nothing like that. Indiana, Indiana. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, that cheerleading group has won national champions. And uh, Kathy Horn is their coach, and she's a friend, and she's terrific. What can I tell you? I'm a fan of everything. All right, Shaheen Holloway, TJ Otzelberger. Those are my two coaches of the tournament so far. Let's look at Shaheen Holloway. Shaheen Holloway at St. Peter's, let's be honest, man. Shaheen Holloway has done something I don't think anybody expected. I know nobody expected. Let's be honest. When you look at Kentucky, and I heard, heard this yesterday, I think on this show, his John Calipari's salary is $9 million. Do you know what St. Mary or St. Peter's budget is for their athletic program? $2.8 million. I'm going to say that again, $9 million for a coach. One coach in the University of Kentucky. $2.8 million for the entire athletic department of St. Peter's. They're getting ready to get rich. Coach K said on Basketball Beyond on Sirius, hey, look, here's what's going to happen, man. Uh, tens of millions of dollars are coming into frickin' uh, St. Peter's, and they are, and good for them, and they should. But those two guys, in my opinion, there's a lot of coaches that are doing great things. And look, Jay Wright, just because he wins all the time, doesn't mean he can't be the coach of the tournament. He certainly should be. He's terrific. But then on the other side, Altsenberger, Iowa State, you know what they did? Look, there is a great history of a couple of things. One, obviously winning at Wisconsin. Two, a fantastic fan base at the University of Wisconsin football and basketball. And it extends from Madison 45 minutes to Milwaukee. Well, big crowd. Things are going on. Iowa State's okay. Well, they hung right in there, man. And they really never gave, never gave Wisconsin a chance to win that basketball game. Wisconsin, they tried. Davison's older. Johnny Davis is a first-team All-American. But the truth of the matter is, uh uh-uh. They never had a chance. In Milwaukee, against a team that had some ups and downs during the course of the year. Well, the ups are now. And T.J. Otzelberger, who was, remember the dominator at South Dakota State? They lost in the first round to Ohio State a couple years ago. Well, that's where Otzelberger was, and then he went to UNLV, and then he basically went home. He's a Wisconsin guy whose wife is one of the all-time leading scorers in the history of Iowa State. She's a legend. So they go home. Next thing you know, boom, they're in the Sweet 16, and they got a real shot. I love it. All right. Let's talk about where do we go from here, team. 
Well, that would be Kentucky. I mean, let's be honest. When Kentucky was getting John Wall and Boogie Cousins and all those guys, and then, you know, the next group with Davis, they were really the only school that was in the mix for the true one-and-dones, the true one-and-dones, guys that there was no chance they were coming back. Well, guess what's happened? A couple things have negated that. One, Duke's gotten involved. A couple other schools have gotten involved. You're going to see one really good one, Jabari Smith at, at Auburn, gone. You're going to see a lot of it. A lot of schools have gotten involved in the one-and-done. There's nothing wrong with the one-and-done. But it has lessened Kentucky scope. And the other thing is, teams have gotten older. You know, this whole COVID thing, fifth-year, sixth-year guys – Hey, I don't care how good you are as an 18-year-old. You get a 23-year-old in there who knows how to play, who's been and lifted weights, and he's done all the things through a program for four, five, maybe six years. You're going to have a real chance against an 18, 19-year-old. And that's what you're seeing. So where do you go from here? This was actually one of Calipari's older teams, Wheeler, the point guard. Uh, He was a kid that had played at Georgia. You know, Brooks was a kid that had been there a while. Obviously, Shebway had transferred in, was a fourth-year, fifth-year guy. Coming in from uh, West Virginia, this was an older team. So where do you go now if you're Cal? Do you continue to go one and done and beat your head against the wall every single year? I don't know. That's why I put them up there. I put them up there because my question is very simple. Where do you go from here, Kentucky? I don't have the answer. I wish I did for you because I like Kentucky. I think when Kentucky is relevant, college basketball is better. I think when Michigan State's still in the tournament, I think the same thing about Indiana, obviously UCLA. I don't necessarily think the same thing about East Coast schools, and that's just me. When when UConn is in the tournament and good, I don't think it makes any difference. Florida, teams that have won national champ, I don't think it makes any difference. But Kansas, Kentucky, Indiana, those rabid fan bases, yeah, I think when they're in the tournament, it's better. I don't know what Kentucky does. I'm not paid $9 million to know. If I was paid $9 million to know... I'd tell you exactly, but I don't know. But it is at a crossroads, and anybody that thinks it's not is wrong because it ain't the same, man. When I watch that basketball team, and I've said this on this show, when I watch that Kentucky basketball team, I did not see, holy cow, look at this. I saw a team that looked every like everybody else. No different. No different. Sorry. Uh, if you were a Kentucky recruit and they took you to Keeneland, you knew it was going to be a good day. Yeah, buddy. Curtis, uh, the answer to that is you ain't lying, brother. At least back in the day. I don't know about now. Now everything's legal. Hey, here's what you used to do. This is what I was told. Not sure it's right. Just what I was told by a guy that was recruited there. He walks in. They take him to Keeneland. Wow, how beautiful. Blah, 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 blah. Guy slaps a bunch of tickets, $20 to win on every horse in the race. Well, think about that. Let's say there's six horses. Two to one shot comes in, you got the ticket for 40 bucks. 20 to one shot comes in, you got the ticket, 400 bucks. It's a pretty good day. It's like having tomorrow's newspaper today. Pretty good. All right. Charles Miller, I wish I had old rich guys throwing down $100 bets on my behalf. Eh? You know. That's the YouTube chat. The YouTube chat is wrong. All right. Here's what you've wanted. You ready? I like tonight's slate. My boy Jason Hammer does not like tonight's slate. I like tonight's slate, and I'm going to give you three games that we're going to win some money on. But since we don't have a show on Friday, the umbrella game, the game hovering over all games is Purdue minus 12 and a half against St. Peter's. Hey, I might be wrong. I think I told you the same thing last time with Indiana against West Virginia or against Wyoming. I might be wrong, but it's still the right bet. 
DoorDash money. I'm up 3,200 on the tournament. The goal is 5K. That's the goal, period. There is no other goal. That is the goal. $5,000 we're going to try to win on this tournament. Uh, Also, NIT money spends, and we won some last night, on uh, UNCW. We lost some, however, on women's basketball. We did take Indiana minus six at home against Princeton. They won but didn't cover. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. All right. Let's talk about tonight. Uh, I like Michigan. I think Michigan's good. But I'm taking Villanova minus five. I think Villanova wins the game. And I think it's a close game. But I think Villanova wins it by at least six, maybe at least ten. I don't know. I'm taking that game. Villanova, very disciplined. Can I see Michigan winning the game? You're damn right I can because Michigan's playing pretty well. They've got two point guards, Frankie Howard. And Devontae Smith, both playing well. They've got a wing in Houston playing well. Eli Brooks is a veteran. Seems like he's playing out of his mind. And then you got the big monster in the middle in Hunter Dickinson. Absolutely, Michigan can win, but they're not. They're going to lose in the end. They're not tied together enough to beat a Villanova team that is. So when I look at this, I say to myself, I like that. I'm going to make a mistake here. All right? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to make a mistake here. And the mistake is going to be this. I'm going to trust Coach K in the points. Uh, It works in football. It worked with Saban. It works with Urban. But I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. I don't know why, but I am. I'm I'm going to take K in a point against Texas Tech. Every single coach that I've talked to, including Coach Izzo just now, Loves Texas Tech. They defend, but I'm taking Duke. Maybe I'm taking it because I think there's a conspiracy theory. Maybe I'm taking it because I think Duke is going to win because they have to win. I don't buy any of that. Look, if I'm a referee running down the court, you're damn right I don't want to make the call at the end of the game that ends Coach K's career. You're damn right, but I can't think that way. How can you think that way? Sean Black, you ain't thinking that way. Nick Chaplin, you ain't thinking that way. Van Pasterman, ain't nobody thinking that way. You know how you're thinking? Call the game. Call the damn game. And if a call comes up and you make the wrong call, hey, man, part of the job. That's it. But I do think K in a point, I'll take it. This might be a live bed game, actually, because I want to see how this game goes because Duke can score it. Duke lives in the lane. They want to get in the lane, and they want to kick it out. Then Banchero gets it in the free throw line, then he spins off people. But I'll tell you this, if Duke doesn't go to Banchero late, they're going to lose. Simple as that. Arizona minus uh, one and a half against Houston. Now, let me go through a little something here. I said this yesterday. I love this game. Nobody loves this game. Everybody's in love with Houston. Everybody's in love with the Cougars. Calvin Sampson did a video where he's pounding, and he's like, we got to do that. Okay, great. All right, that's wonderful. I think they're playing really well. I do. I, I think that uh, Houston has played as well as they can play, and I think they will not, I don't think, uh, they will slow down against freaking Arizona. But I don't think they have athletes enough to beat Arizona. I, don't, I think they're athletic. I think they're strong. 
I think they're the kind of team that can beat Arizona. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a deal where they can't beat Arizona, but I'm watching Arizona and I'm saying to myself, hold on here. Hold on here. These dudes are athletes, man. These dudes play athletic, smart, and they don't quit. They could have quit numerous times against TCU. I don't know, man. There, there is uh, there is something about this Arizona team that I really got to like. I did. Last year, Houston was all the rage again, remember? Houston was it. And then they got to the Final Four, and ugh, they got the hell beat out of them. I think it was Houston against Oregon State last year. I think it was. And then they got to the Final Four and played Baylor and got killed. That's what I anticipate in this game. I anticipate a run by Arizona at some point in the game. And it's hard to run out against Houston. But I anticipate a run of some part in this game where it ends up being Houston. I'll take take these three. I'll take Villanova minus five. I'll take Duke plus one. And I'll take Arizona minus one and a half. And I think my toes are going to be tapping. But remember this, ladies and gentlemen. The umbrella game of all of this is Purdue minus 12 and a half. I'm telling you, I think Purdue's playing with a chip on their shoulder. I don't think Purdue shot the ball yet. Well, well yet. I was talking to Sasha Stefanovic's dad yesterday, Louie, been a friend of Louie's forever. And in my world, uh, Louie uh, is a very honest guy, like a very direct guy, and he feels like Sasha's good now. Sasha's got some bad things going on with an injury to his hand, but I think Sasha's going to make some threes. I think Purdue's going to win this game by 20. North Carolina, UCLA, I would not touch until I saw the game. I will do what Hammer did and take Miami minus two against um, ISU, and I'm not betting against Providence. Uh, I'm not betting for Providence on the money line, but I am not betting against Providence. I will not bet. Uh, I will not give UCLA, excuse me, Kansas seven and a half. I won't do it. I absolutely won't do it. Providence is too tough. Providence is too well coached. Providence is too old. Providence is too together. And this feels like one of those special years. So fact of the matter is, go Providence. Um, Again, just how I look at it. Again, could be wrong. Not saying I'm right. Could be dead wrong. But I'll tell you this. Our toes are going to be tapping with the Purdue game. Hey, uh, last thing before I leave you for the weekend. My father died 2014 on April 8th. Today is my father's, I guess, what do you call it, heavenly birthday? I don't know how old he'd have been, probably 90. I guess he was born in 33, so 89. So there you go. Happy birthday to my pops. My pops is my idol. I got a picture of him right over here, a painting that a friend of mine named Susie Gregory did, and it's standing right there. He looks like Dean Martin. He's the man. I had a chance to go back to my hometown and give a speech to a thousand people at this old timers banquet. Bunch of sports guys there, man, out of Gary Neon. It was one of the most fun times ever. And but the best thing about it was how many people told me great stories about my dad. So here's the deal. Do yourself a favor. You got a dad, go hug your dad today. Sir, I'd love to just give my dad one more hug. Just one more time. It's been eight years. Worst day of my life. Found him dead on a floor in a mall. Uh, at the Tesla story, very ironic. Only dead body I've ever seen in my life. My mom's screaming. The EMTs are trying. They're like, Dan, we're sorry. We can't. That's all right. Hey, you know. But miss him. Miss him every day. It was my idol. A little crabby this morning because of it, if you want to know the truth. I don't think about it much in a negative way. This morning, it got me.
This morning, it got me, man, today's my dad's birthday, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, anyway, that's that. Also, if you want to see me more, 107.5, I'm going all in on Indiana basketball, getting rid of one of its absolute icons in Dane Fife. I don't like it. I don't respect it. I'll take all the heat that comes with getting on Mike Woodson and the folks at Indiana's ass. I really don't care. But what they did, you want to fire somebody, fire somebody. That's fine. I don't care. Hey, I do care, but I, you know, I understand you're the boss. You're the head man. Fire Dane, fire him. That's fine. You do you. But you don't embarrass him. No. Dane Fife meant too much to, means too much to Indiana basketball. When Bob Knight got fired, I didn't see any of these other guys in front of cameras at 20 years old trying to explain the whole thing away. I saw Dane. When Indiana was rebuilding, you know what I saw? I saw Dane. I saw Dane take a team to the Final Four. I saw Dane take a team to the championship game as a captain. I saw Dane and Tommy Coverdale and Jared Jeffries be the face of that team. The current coach started his program, started his career smoking weed in Alaska, ended his career losing to Purdue uh, in the NCAA tournament, and then has the balls, the audacity, I don't even think it's balls, I think it's the stupidity to patronize Dane by saying he'll always be a member of the Indiana family. Well, I got to tell you, for my money, Dane's much more of a member of the Indiana family than Mike Woodson, who started out smoking weed in Alaska and ended losing to Purdue in the NCAA tournament. Dane Fife will be fine, but it's bullshit what happens, and I'm here to call out bullshit. We'll get more of that 107.5 The Fan today at noon if you want to watch. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ryan, Dylan, thank you guys so much. Sorry about being snooty. Uh, talk to you tomorrow or talk to you Monday. Dockage out.